This episode of Love in Los Angeles involves descriptions of emotional, psychological, and physical abuse between partners. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, so welcome to another episode of Love in Los Angeles. Yay! I'm Kelsey. <laughs> My name's Azalea. <laughs> and we're here today with two very special guests to talk about something pretty serious. And then I don't know about you guys, but I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. Doesn't really get the exposure it should in order to really recognize the signs and kind of decompress about stuff like that. But we're talking about love bombing. So what exactly is love bombing? We had this article from Cosmopolitan by Lauren Lemie and Taylor Andrews. It's actually really recent from the end of March that we're going to kind of follow along with with our guests here. Um, and use it as kind of a guide to talk about love bombing. Now, disclaimer, of course, none of us are professionals. None of us are psychologists. Love bombing is characterized by excessive attention, admiration, and affection with the goal to make the recipient feel dependent and obligated to that person. Scary. Um, and it's basically emotional and psychological manipulation. Um, I want to bring in our guests to tell us a little bit about their relationships that they divulged to us were affected by love bombing. So y'all want to introduce yourselves? Mario, how about you? I'm Mario. I'm 50 and I'm primarily from California, but I also lived in New York for a really long time. And I'm originally from El Salvador. Hi, I'm Adriana. I'm 42. I'm originally from Los Angeles in California, but um, I spent a large chunk of my early life in Mexico. So what about your relationships? You know, we, we were talking about your past relationship that had love bombing in it. Like, how did you meet that partner? What was the beginning of the relationship like? I actually met him through a friend of mine. Um, she was dating one of his friends. And at the beginning, it was all wonderful. You don't really, you don't really see all this attention as a bad thing necessarily until you notice that it becomes a cycle um, if you stay in long term and it can be very abusive um, or it can become really abusive and really difficult to get out of. Can I just ask a follow-up question really quickly? How long were you in that relationship? God, a long time. <laughs> a lot longer than I should have. Uh, but uh, let's see. Um, from 2009 to 2014. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it was, wow. it was a lot of, it's hard to explain. Um, I don't know if, how long your relationship was, Mario, but for me, it was a lot of little cycles where like the minute I would try to step away or, you know, kind of put some boundaries, he would turn again into that person that I met at the beginning and just shower me with all kinds of gifts. He would buy me an iPhone, an iWatch, you know, a Kate Spade purse, like just, and then this would go on for like maybe a few months, you know, diamond earrings, like whatever, like whatever he thought would like get me like you know get me to forgive him and this would go on for a little bit and then he would start 
to, it was just to get me back into the position where he wanted me. And then the distancing, the just berating, you know, the would start and it would slowly escalate. It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't very easy to see at the beginning or even when I was still in it. I actually went to a therapist to help me kind of really, because I couldn't do it myself. So. Well, thanks for sharing that, Adriana. Mario, do you want to share? You, I'm sure you've heard some similarities from Adriana's story. Absolutely. Um, I met my now ex-husband um, on an app, and an app, an application, online application, <laughs> social, social, social media application. Um, which is always a, a source of perpetual embarrassment for him. But um, he was visiting from another country at the time. He's originally from Guatemala. And we met on the app. And it's uh, really kind of funny because, like, I had sort of given up on this particular app. And I had sort of taken a sabbatical from it. And it just so happened that that day that he sent me a message, I checked my messages. And, you know, it was sort of like this initially fuzzy photograph. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And um, so, but I messaged him and he messaged me back and then I got more photographs. And um, and like Adriana was saying, like, you know, it was extraordinarily complimentary at the beginning. Um, you know, this is like sort of what we're talking about, the love bombing aspect of right, right? Where, you know, um, I didn't get showered with gifts, unfortunately. God damn it. But you I didn't got get any diamond rings? A- <laughs> I didn't get any diamond rings. You didn't get an iPhone or Apple Watch, nothing? I- I'm waiting for my Kate Spade purse. Um, <laughs> Lost in the mail at this point. Uh, it was actually the reverse, but we'll get into that later. Um, and, you know, he was just very attentive, but very pushy and um, very aggressive. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that moves really slowly, but what he would do is he'd make me feel bad about it because, um, you know, like like a lot of people, I'm, you know, I have my insecurities. I'd been single for a long time at that point in time. And so I was like, well, oh, this is really nice. Someone is paying so much attention to me. Like, they really like me. They say they find me very attractive. Um, they want to spend time with me. And, you know, like, maybe I should give this a shot. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, early on, I saw warning signs. There were so many red flags. And, um, you know, after six weeks of knowing each other, he wanted me to marry him. And I was like, are you crazy? We just met six weeks ago. Like, I'm not going to marry you. And he got really angry. He got. We were, eat, we were at some pizza place in K-Town. And he got really angry and like stomped out and I chased after him and I'm like, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Trying to appease him. And so, and this is what would happen, right? He would get really angry and I would like, you know, try to make him feel better about it. I would feel really guilty. Um, and so try to make it up to him and then sort to try to get back the sort of nice person who adored me, who really cared for me and what have you. So this went on for a while. In fact, actually he had started moving in some of his stuff into my studio apartment in K-Town and he like got really angry and like took all this stuff out and he had brought in some like table and he was taking apart the table and he was like saying, oh, you're such a terrible person. Ah, oh, you know, you don't really want to be loved. Uh, like stuff like that and making me feel really guilty and terrible for like asserting boundaries <laughs> you know, being like, um, you shouldn't marry someone after so long. And, you know, and I, as you know, you both know me, I'm super chatty. And so I talked to friends and I'm like, am I crazy? I'm like, for like, that this person is trying to marry me after six weeks. They're like, of course he's crazy, you know, like get away from him, <laughs> you know? And 
we actually didn't talk for like a week after that. And I was the one that reached out to him. And I always blame the fact that um, I had this lapse because I was writing my dissertation proposal and I had just finished it. And so I had like all this empty time on my hands to like think about it. And so, and so I reached out to him. I regret that now. And, and he was like, oh, you know, like, are you really the person that, you know, can like step up and be my partner and all this other jazz. So there was a lot of manipulation and sort of like working of my own guilt and my insecurities. So we ended up getting back together. And I remember he was like um, making me promise that I would be there for him and all these sorts of things. So it was early on and we were married five months after we met each other. Um, oh, and wow. And everyone thought we were crazy. And of course, I was just like, well, I'll just get divorced if it doesn't work out. Little did I know, like, how, like, <laughs> the path we would be going down yeah. and how abusive it would become, yeah. you know. And um, and I already felt sort of, like, you know, there were these beautiful moments because, like, with any kind of really fucked up relationship like this, like, there are some really good moments, right? And so you hold on to those and you keep hoping you'll go back to that. Um, and you try to do everything, you bend over backwards to try to make that come back again. And so the mm -hmm. burden of making this relationship survive is on you. But like Adriana was saying, like you go also like you realize you're it's fucked up and you're kind of trapped, but then you're not sure how to get out. And the longer you're in it, the more you feel like you're drowning in this relationship. And there is like no exit, just like zero exit. You know. And they like depend on you for, or they make you feel everything. like they depend on you for everything. Like you are the only thing that is holding their entire world together. That's and exactly when it. When you try to step away from that, they make you feel so guilty. Like you're such a horrible, selfish person that's yep. abandoning them. This mm -hmm. person who loves you. And um, I know my ex was like, you're, you're my soulmate. Like, you know, you're mm -hmm. the only person that's ever loved me this way. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it was, and once he had me where he wanted me, where I was like, I would just be defeated by this constant, you know, like I'm trying to step away. And then I would be defeated by my own guilt, like Mario was saying, and by my own caring heart, I feel like, mm -hmm. um, it, he would turn into this other person that was just horrible, that was doing terrible things to me. In subsequent discussions that I've had about this, and, you know, we could talk later about, you know, sort of how we got out of it and what kind of help we've gotten. Um, I was told by a, a social worker um, who, a, who's a clinical social worker after I got out, just right after I got out, she said that guilt is the glue that binds these relationships. And, oh, wow, that's powerful. And um, they're usually these folks, you know, which the article they call narcissistic abusers, like they um, they hone in on people who are who are, um, for lack of a better term, empaths, you know, people who are very empathetic. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like Adriana said, her caring heart. Right. Like people who are very like sensitive and sensitive to other's feelings and, um, you know, have a potential for much, much love. But you know, they exploit that, right? They sort of really hone in on it and they use that against you. Uh, and they use your own sort of um, ability to be empathetic and feel guilty and feel bad for other things that are happening to other people 
against yourself, right? And they um, use it to their advantage to keep you in that relationship, um, bound to them for like ever and supplying them with like um, a place for their abuse or place for their security. In my case, money, um, you know, um, you know, so like support, um, in my case also residency in the US, um, you know, any number of things. Um, the article talks about how love bombers uh, seek to gain this affection and attention of somebody who they're pursuing by presenting this idealized image of themselves um, mm -hmm. and that it's really about getting the person. And then when they feel like they've got you and they're secure, you're secure in their relationship and they're secure in their kind of power over you. The person who's love bombing typically switches and becomes very difficult, abusive, manipulative. Did you, you know, this might be described as like a honeymoon period where things are going really well and then things kind of switch when they've got you, quote unquote, in this relationship. Is that how you saw your your relationships go? Kind of a beginning of like, hey, this is really great. Like I have never been treated like this before, et cetera, et cetera. I think um, I, I don't know the details of, of the beginnings of your relationship, Mario, but for me, a couple of times he just showed up at my house, <laughs> which like when you're at the beginning of it, you're like, oh, that's so sweet. Maybe you're a little bit hesitant about it. You're like, yeah, you know, but you're also like, oh, that's so sweet. He drove because ours was a long distance relationship at the time. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, he drove all this way to come like surprise me and mm -hmm. take me out to dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but once he had me, that person was not necessarily there anymore. It was really difficult the first time, like, like what you were saying when he got really angry, um, you know, and it was in public and I think for me it was, wow. it was really difficult because he just became a whole other, he just became a whole other person. And all of a sudden, instead of being loving and sweet and caring, I was, you know, a nagging bitch <laughs> and wow. that kind of thing. So what were what were the things that would trigger it? So like, how would he switch? So you had mentioned like he's, you know, being kind, driving to you and all of that. But when was like, when was the first time where you saw that switch? Was it that time you're talking about in public or was there no. something else? So we actually moved in together within five to six months of dating. Oh, wow. And I think that it was when we first moved in that I really started to see this kind of change in him. He always pretended that me having a life outside of him was fine until it wasn't. And mm -hmm. one, of the, for, one of the first times I noticed was my fa I'm very close to my family, and um, we had moved to San Diego, and so I would go back and forth a lot, and he got really upset because I was visiting my family, and I decided to stay the night at my mother's house, and I didn't let him know ahead of time, and it just turned into this whole thing, you know? Um, like I wasn't thinking about him and, you know, why hadn't I talked to him about it before? And I was like, it was just the last minute, like, you know, 
if I'm single. If I were single, I would mm-hmm. do, do that kind of thing. So, um, or when my family visited, like my mom would come visit. And when my mom visits, I just, she's a Mexican mom, you know, <laughs> she's a Latina mom. And I was, you know, she always wants to cook and take care of me and all this other kind of stuff. And I always just told her, when you come to my house, you can do whatever you want. Like, you don't have to ask me. Just, like, do what you need to do or you want to do or whatever. And he would get so upset because, like, one time he told me, he's like, well, when your mom comes, she, like, moves everything. Like, he was super angry and yelling at me because my mom had moved, like, the frying pan from where he usually, we usually kept it. And the funny thing is, like, the motherfucker didn't even cook, okay? So, like, I did all the cooking. So I was like, I don't really understand why you're upset about this. (laughs) He's like, the frying plan is moved. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right. It was just, you know, it was just like he would kind of, or if I went out with my friends for happy hour, and I'd be like, well, I'll be back in a few hours. But when I go out with my friends for happy hour, it's like, you know, or brunch, it's like a minute. (laughs) before I well, get yeah. and, and he would always he would get very passive aggressive you know about those kinds of things and the next thing I know would he he'd text you would yeah, he text, he text you me. while you're at brunch and be like where are you? yeah 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 or he would be like um I think he just came to pick me up once it was weird what? um and then he would turn around and, like, turn it on me. And, like, oh, you went out. So I'm going to go out with my friends and stay out all night and not call you and not text you and, like, just completely block you off to make you, like, pay for what you did. There was a lot of emotional emotional manipulation. If he had to go away for his job or whatever, he would, like, call me every single day and just want to be on the phone with me for hours. And I wouldn't even know why. The next day, it would just be like, I can't talk to you. I have no time for you. Just get away from me. (laughs) It was very, I never knew what was going to trigger him. I never knew what was going to cause him to, like, turn on me and just be mean. Like, I I don't even know how to, like, he would just go for the jugular, you know, Mm -hmm. about everything. I don't even know what question we asked you, Adriana, with all of that. That's like really intense. I wonder, you know, Adriana, when you were saying stuff like, you know, he would stop by my house and I thought that that was sweet at first. And did you ever talk to any other female friends? And did they, did they kind of, cause I could see, I could see a woman saying something like that and another woman saying, well, he's just being sweet. sweet. Like, what are you so uptight about? Or what are you so worried about? How sweet. Yeah. You know, did you ever kind of get a little, yeah. yeah, Did you ever get kind of a little tingling somewhere and then somebody tried to dismiss it and be like, you're just not accepting it or don't, you know, you're in your own way or whatever. I think my friends, especially at the time, because I'm very, I mean, I care a lot about people, but I'm also very kind of cynical in a way. Like, I'm, I don't know how to explain it, but like, when the tech constant, like the text messages, when I first met him, this will be an example, like, the fir- the first day I met him, he was super excited about me, right? And he was like, oh, so he immediately asked me for my number. And it was like this this whole thing. He had gone out partying, like all of us, was like a big group of friends, and he was just 
constantly paying attention. And I didn't really think anything of it because I was just like, eh, whatever, you know. And he was like, no, he's like, I'm going to call you. I want to take you out. Like, I want to get to know you, blah, blah, blah. And I gave him my number, but I really didn't have any, like, any expectations or anything like that. And then when he when he called me, I picked up and I and he was like, oh, hey, it's so-and-so. And I was like, who? Like, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and um, and he was just like, oh, you didn't even remember me or whatever. Um, but I'm, that's kind of how up until that point I had always kind of been. Like, so when he started constantly texting me, I had dated other guys that would do that. And I found it incredibly annoying. And so <laughs> my friends, on the other hand, all were like, he's just being sweet, you know, mm-hmm. like a part of me was like, okay, maybe I am being too dismissive of people. Like putting you a know? wall up. Yeah. Right. Like I'm doing this to myself. I'm still single because mm-hmm. I just, you know, I don't want to put those walls down. So I'll give him a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can definitely so. relate to that. Yeah. But Mario, did you did you get that at all too or no? At the beginning, I think my friends spotted it from the very beginning because I had long conversations with friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I was in grad school at the time, so I was really close to uh two other queer people in my program and I'm still am and um and they spotted it from the very beginning. They were like that's really problematic. The whole marriage thing. Oh like, wow. Six weeks, they were like what the fuck is that? And so when I actually married him, like they looked freaked out, you know, they were like, what the fuck, wow. you know? Wow. So they told me about it, but you know, and I just sort of, because of my own insecurities and what have you. And, you know, you know, like before I met my ex-husband, like I had, a, I liked my life, you know, <laughs> I was in grad school, like I didn't have a lot of money, but I had saved money. So I was all well off financially. I had like, you know, some nice piece or two on the side that I saw regularly that I had really good time with and good sex with so I wasn't like you know oh I need to like I'm 45 and (laughs) I'm so lonely and I need to like get with a man you know it wasn't that at all it was like I was fine you know I was living single I was busy I had just broke up with this French guy I was like I was good you know and so when I met (laughs) him (laughs) when I met him it was sort of like a little bit like Adriana's reaction where I was like what is this like what the fuck and I also naturally I, I'm pretty I like spending time by myself and so I I tend to keep people out right and so you know even one of my the side pieces <laughs> one of my side side pieces like you know he had tried to like date me and I was just like oh, not having it and you know I'm like let's just keep it this way and um and so I'm admittedly like sort of closed but because I'm very protective of my private life and my um alone time and also because of my parents' relationship, which is exactly the relationship I ended up having, because my dad's a total narcissistic abuser, was oh. always dismissive of my mother. I remember wow. fighting constantly with my dad because he would call my mother stupid. Oh, he would God. threaten her physically. He, like, wielded a knife against her. I mean, like, you know, all sorts of things. And it's an incredibly codependent and problematic relationship. And, um, and so from very young, I had this terrible example. And so I was like, I am not, I was like, I was like, that's what happened in my mind. That's what happened to you when you got with a man. It was like, 
he treats you poorly. Oh. Um, he gets drunk and he insults you. It's like, no, thanks. <laughs> like, mm. I don't want that. And they also controlled your life. I mean, I saw it with my mother. I saw it with my aunts. I just saw the way men treated them so poorly. And um, as a gay man, you know, I identified with the women in my family. And so I saw them treated so poorly and not being treated equitably, being dismissed despite the fact that they worked their asses off. And I was just like, no, <laughs> you know? And so I was, I had really like um, very negative connotations with being involved in a relationship with someone because all the men in my family were in some way manipulative or mean to their spouses or abusive. And so I was just like, no thanks, you know? And so I think for me, it was, I kept a distance because I was afraid of getting into that. And the irony <laughs> is that I got into it and heavily, like I basically yeah. replicated in many ways, my parents' dynamic. Um, my mother's always the caretaker. My mother's been supporting my dad for decades. Like, you know, it's like, you name it. He's completely dependent on her. Like she just feels if she leaves him, he'll be lost forever. Boom, boom, boom. And it's going on 50, more than 50 years, you know? And oh. so no matter like the fact that he threatened her with her knife 15 years ago, or like what it doesn't speak to her for like weeks on end sometimes. And like, you know, has these like unspoken grudges against everyone, including me. And like, nonetheless, they don't, they don't separate, they don't divorce. And um, so for me, like, it was like, I'm not doing that. And so I also like Adriana kept a distance. Right. And so, but so therefore, like when someone's so persistent, it's like, it does get your attention because you're just like, oh, you know, normally people get the clue and they just like walk away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're like, they stop texting you because you're not responding to them, right? Because, you know, you're not like texting them all the time saying, good morning, darling, you know? Right. <laughs> and so after a while, they just leave you alone, right? They get the clue, they move on to someone else. But with narcissistic abusers, like it's a challenge to them. Like for them, it's like, oh, I'm going to get you. And, um, and they just sort of like wear down your resolve, right? Um, and like Adriana was saying, like it's always like really wonderful at the beginning. And there is this moment that, and you're not even sure what triggers it. There is this moment where like the switch turns, right? And I remember what you said, Adriana, was like, I never knew what it was. And that's how they keep you like insecure in a not on steady ground, right? Because there's no yeah. logic to it. You know, there's zero logic and you're constantly like thinking to yourself, what did I do? What did I do? So it becomes you, your problem, not theirs. Um, when you try to like have boundaries or rationalize, like it's impossible because they get angry at you and they scream at you. They call you names, they insult you in public, in private, in front of other people, in front of your friends. I mean, it's just like, it doesn't stop. It eventually becomes so hurtful. Um, that you, at least for me, like, I don't know how your relationship ended, Mario, but for me, at the very end, I was just so depleted. Like, I just, I had nothing, nothing left. Um, yeah. It got to the point where I didn't even want to come home anymore. And while he was really good about, like, showering me with gifts when he thought I was going to leave him or the relationship was going to end, I also supported him mostly for a, a long time um like we were living together and he thought five hundred dollars like he would give me five hundred dollars a month and thought that was enough and I was just like 
At least you got yeah. that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, and, but and that was only for like the first couple of years, and then and then even even that ended, you know, where it was just like, and it was just like, what? So after, um, but also one of the things that struck me, Mario, is what you said about your mom and how she feels like your father will crumble if she leaves him. And I felt like that. Like I felt so guilty about walking away, even though when I did, I knew that it was the best thing for everyone. But I was literally afraid that he would die. I also felt that in a very real way because I, I spent like 36 hours with him with a gun to his head, swearing up and down that if I left him, he would kill himself. And oh my God. that just was like, how do you walk away from somebody like that? You right. know, and you do, you do, you feel completely responsible for this whole other person. And even though your friends, like I didn't share a whole lot with my friends of what was actually happening because I was ashamed and I, that was a part of it. But I also didn't really understand it myself while I was in it. Yeah, same here. Um, I think at the beginning, I talked to my friends more. And then as it became worse and worse and I sank further and further into the relationship, I was so ashamed to tell people about it because... It just, you know, I couldn't believe I was, I was living it, right? I couldn't, I was like, you know, because you knew, you knew, right? That despite the fact that you're so beaten down and I totally identify with that, Adriana, because even in the first year I was doing research trips to El Salvador for my dissertation. And one of the second to last trips I did, we had been fighting so much. The honeymoon had long gone. He had quit his under the table job. He had become completely dependent on me. He had stopped paying the car that we had bought together. So I was paying it on my grad school salary. And I was trying to write my dissertation, research my dissertation at the same time. And I remember I went to El Salvador and I was staying with a friend's brother. And I saw myself in the mirror and I had aged so much, like in a month of us fighting so much. We were fighting every day. And he was like going out all night and like not telling me where he was. And I would call him like, you know, you told me you're married, but where are you? Like, he's like, oh, I'm just with friends. I'll call you later. And like, never again. And, and, and so I looked in the mirror and I was like haggard. I had lost weight. I was a mess, you know, and you just, you're so scared to hit anybody else, right? Because you feel like a fool. You really do feel like a fool because like all of a sudden your friends' lives seem amazing. Like they have amazing partners, they own homes, they're successful. And you're like, I'm the fucking poor relation. I'm fucking up and I'm in this fucked up relationship. What did I, and you feel like you've done it to yourself, right? Like you take on all this responsibility and you don't know who to talk to. You know, you really don't because I had one friend that I would, could talk to constantly. She's like a sister who lives in New York and I could call her anytime, right? Um, everybody else, I felt like they would just get sick and tired of it after a while. Um, because they, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to throw on someone, right? <laughs> like casual friends, coworkers, it's like, this is happening to me. And they're like, what the fuck? You know, um, it's a lot, right? It's heavy. Um, yeah. It's super, super heavy, heavy to, to carry that with you into your world, the rest of your world. 
were your partners actively like driving wedges between you and everyone other every other relationship that you had in your life yes yeah yeah. i mean my family definitely took a step back like i said i'm very and it didn't start off that way you know um but i it definitely became an issue and my friends didn't like him and my family didn't like him and my family is always very polite you know like this is the person you chose so we have to like be nice to them but you know we don't like him uh, my friends were less polite <laughs> maybe <laughs> but um but yeah no he definitely he wanted to own me I, I i don't know how else to say it he wanted to own me even if he wasn't present in the relationship even if he wasn't mm-hmm. involved in the relationship he wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that I didn't have anybody else to go to mm-hmm. in any capacity um, mm-hmm. because he wants, yeah, he wanted to own me. I don't know how else I can describe it. Absolutely. And you know what someone told me recently also is that um, I was talking to a friend and um, I was telling him that about the fact that my husband also got rid of my things. Like um, he got rid, he would throw away my things and gave away my record collection. He gave mm-hmm. away things without telling me and so at the same time he was trying to control and own me, he was also like, this person said he was like, he was trying to erase you from the world. Wow. There were no photographs of me in the apartment while I was away doing my postdoc. Like um, my stuff was given away, the stuff I had left with him. Like, so it's, it's this weird desire to, wow. because also at that stage, like I imagine he was sleeping around. And so yeah. like he needed me to pay, to support him, right? Uh, to pay for the apartment that he was living in and pay for the car and his gas and anything that he could buy himself. But at the same time, he resented the fact that he needed me. And so he did his best to erase my presence from his life. Mm -hmm. So I think when I came back from my postdoc, he was just like, didn't know what the fuck to do with me. And I think that's why he became increasingly, he already had been agitated throughout that year and controlling, but it just like got really bad when I moved back to LA and he, I think he just really resented my presence um, and did his best to make that clear to me, you know, um, by trying to control me, right? Like, and, um, and trying to really break down my resolve as a person. I, you know, I mean, like, it was like every day he like would text me, and, like if I didn't pick up enough time, he's like, puto, where are you? You know, like, you know, stuff like that. And it's oh like, God. This, if I didn't text immediately, he's like, I know you're whoring around your office. That's why he would call so much. Oh my that's why God. he, that's why he forbade me to teach. Oh because yeah, he's like, I know for you, sure. I know you're, I know you're going to have sex with your students. Um, <gasps> I was like, I've God. taught before. I've never had sex with my students. There's like no logic to it. Right. And so there's this sort of sabotaging. And I think that's why when I finally decided to leave, because it was one thing to go after me personally, right? It was another thing to sabotage my career. And I was just like, I have worked my ass off to do this shit. And I was just like, hey, now you're telling me I can't do it? And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> it's like, you know, and that's when I think yeah. I finally decided to leave where I was just like, this person is going to destroy my career and take me down with it, right? And it was, I was already like beaten down, but I was like, I knew enough where I was just like, no, that can't happen. I was like, I, I'm already in so much debt. I can't lose my job, you know? And 
I was like, and that's when I was like, that triggered it for me where I don't know about you, Adriana, but that, that for me was like the trigger in the moment where I decided where I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this because if I don't, if I stay in this relationship any longer, not only will I disappear, <laughs> but I'm going to end up on the street, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, without any money, you know, and I was like, and that's not going to happen. I think for me, um, a lot of that, like, especially at the end, when you talk about him just belittling you and like accusing you of whoring around, I think my ex at one point te would text me because I wouldn't pick up or if he knew I was out with my friends and would literally say, I know you're out sleeping around. I hope you get HIV and die of AIDS. Like, things like that. That's oh, what he would wow. like, say to me. Um, and, again, there was never mm -hmm. any, like, rhyme or reason to it. And those aren't necessarily things I want to share with my friends at that point. Um, what really made me um, cut off all contact with him and just definitely close that door was finding out that he had gotten somebody else pregnant and oh, wow. oh, uh, wow. this was even after we were officially done and he was still trying to get me back and he was mm -hmm. lying to me about all this stuff but I still felt that sense of responsibility for him because he would mm -hmm. he would literally you know he would cry and just like say all these mm -hmm. things like you know he he would die without me and you know all these other kinds of things so it really messed with my mind um mm -hmm. but it was also so he would say things and he would say things like this at the beginning of our relationship like maybe a year year and a half in that maybe sounded kind of funny at the time but gave me pause where like he would say things like if you leave me I will find you and I will never let you leave me or things to the effect of like I would rather see you dead than with somebody else and I think that for me it was just the realization that that could very he could very well do that <laughs> so like if i did yeah. not just you know it's he could very well do that uh, so for me i think that was the biggest kind of realization the sweet moments just started to not matter because i had to have like a real look at myself and know that like mario was saying i'm gonna end up on the streets with no money I really had to take a look at the fact that I might very well end up six feet underground if I didn't right. get out of this relationship. You know, one of the things they, when I first started asking, looking for help, one of the very sort questions they asked me is like, does he have access to a weapon? You know, I'm in group therapy right now and I don't want to disclose too much information, but there are people in my group who have abusive ex-spouses or, or partners who um, have access to weapons, guns, and whose lives have been threatened, um, and their children's lives have been threatened. Um, similar to Adriana, like, I'll kill you if you leave me, you know, and, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, that it, I, I don't think my ex-husband would have ever done that. He was physically abusive only on a number of occasions. Um, but I think it's a very real thing that a lot of people don't know about. And, you know, I, particularly in, in like the LGBTQIA community, like there's just no talk about it. Although like, you know, um, there are publications that go back like 30, 40 years from the lesbian community about inter like domestic abuse amongst, um, you know, queer partners or lesbian partners. And, um, you know, it's like, there are uh, sort of added layers to that when, um, 
you know, you take in gender and race and sexuality and like all these sorts of things and um, like how those are used to manipulate you and to sort of trap you in these relationships or affect your ability to reach for reach out for help or the kind of services that are available to you um, or uh, an acknowledgement of what that's like. Um, my interactions with law enforcement were not exactly the best, you know, because they just didn't comprehend it. They were just like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know, you know, as much as they probably see it on the time, particularly amongst gay men, they're just like, like what you just had a fight, right? And you're they're just not like, trained <laughs> you're professionals like, oh my God, for that kind oh of my stuff. God. <laughs> exactly. They're not. And so yeah. they're not the most sensitive individuals to be handling like right. cases of domestic abuse, right? Or domestic violence. And um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I think it's, I think there are a lot of factors that keep people silent, right? About this for sure. beyond like the embarrassment we've been talking about or other things, right? Or the isolation that happens. I think that to me that's the scariest part of love bombing that it doesn't always necessarily escalate into physical abuse but it is abusive behavior that sometimes we dismiss because we're not used to thinking of emotional abuse or psychological abuse at the same level that we would have as physical abuse like if he had slapped me the first time instead of just been manipulative and emotionally abusive it would have been a very mm-hmm. different relationship right right Absolutely. so um, that's extraordinarily key adriana because like that's something we uh, we always talk about in my group how like um and particularly also like you know the sort of very common or sort of popular representation of who gets abused usually it's a white woman a heterosexual cisgender white woman, right? It's not like a Latina woman. It's not like mm-hmm. a gay man. It's not all these other people. It's like, and it's a white woman who gets physically abused, right? So, you know, I remember when I first started calling for help, like one of the places I called in addition to the LGBTQI center here in LA was the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And I remember that I just, I very sort of shyly and tentatively told her what was happening. And it was so like affirming to her to go like, that's fucking abuse. <laughs> Basically, it's just, just like, I told yeah. her like, that's financial abuse, that's psychological abuse, that's this. And she was a- angrier than I was. She was pissed. And yeah. she was just like, that's all abuse. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yes, it's, you know, this invisible thing that's happening. Was that right? the first time and, you had kind of been affirmed in that way? I think so, yeah. Um, that was sort of like the very beginning when I was starting to call various sources, right? And it was because like up until that point in time, my husband, you know, like Adriana was saying earlier, they make you feel so responsible for them, right? And so yeah. he was like, this is your responsibility as my husband is to help me out, you know? Um, with him also, it was like, I was he was in the country because of me, right? He married me and his residency depended on being married to me. And so that also like bound me to him and my guilt about jeopardizing that for him. But, you know, I was like, I knew it was wrong the entire time, but no one was, there was no outside sort of affirmation of that and saying like, that's wrong. That's really wrong. And we need to get you out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And that's what's really so helpful to me um, because it is really difficult to un- 
um, decouple yourself from that situation or emerge from that situation on your own. I think it's, I think you, you really need help. Mario mentioned reaching out. What about you, Adriana? When, when it all was going to end for you, did you have a network that you reached out to? Not exactly. I mean, sort of. Um, I started going to therapy um, for various reasons, and he moved away, and that was kind of like a big relief. There were just these things that happened that were violent. But that violence wasn't necessarily physically towards me. It was just the threat of it. Um, and so I definitely did not see the emotional or psychological abuse or any of it as abusive behavior necessarily. And mm -hmm. as Mario mentioned previously, I grew up seeing really dysfunctional relationships amongst like my aunt and my extended family, not necessarily and having my them mom. be accepted. Yeah. Like being, you know, um, they've never been divorced, that kind of thing. It was always my extended family, not like my brothers have great marriages and stuff, but that was sort of my, what I thought relationships were, even if like your barometer was, for what it was. Right, successful. right. Even if it was, subconsciously, like even if a conscious part of my brain knew like this is wrong and that should not happen, there's still that like maybe it's know, just oh, me. It's passionate. It's not <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not abusive. And so mm -hmm. um, and it was actually my therapist that really sort of started to nudge those those ideas kind of open for me. And um, you don't really see it until somebody else does Right. And then I slowly started to share with a couple of my friends. But by that point, my relationship was over. Um, mm. And I had, like I said, even after my relationship with him was over, I still felt responsible for him. So I would still pick up when he called. I feel silly now even saying that, but I, I still felt very much responsible for his well-being. Um so I would still pick up um, until I finally, while I was in therapy, I just, I blocked him from everything and he would try to get a hold of me any way he could. So he would email me at work, <laughs> call me at work. Was he trying to get back with you or try to get you back yeah. in the web? And yeah. 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 Even though at the time he was with somebody else and he had gotten somebody else pregnant already. Oh my like, God. Oh my God. He really... He really was like, he was just like trying to hold on. And he to knew me. you knew yeah. that. He knew you yeah. knew that. Like yeah. you would say yeah. it, and he'd be like, "Yeah, but I want you." While he's holding his right. baby. Right. Right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I think he had a lot of issues, um, and he didn't know how to deal with those issues. And I think I was a very handy punching bag emotionally and psychologically for him and it was very easy for him to take out his frustrations on me at first it was because I loved him and you care so much for somebody right you're like I'm gonna be there for this person um but it was also very much I mean I don't know if thinking about it now um and I've been single for quite a while 
um, after that relationship. I definitely see the boundaries that I need now. I don't know if you do as well, Mario, but like, not that I blame myself for what happened or anything like that, but I definitely learned a lot about who I am um, in the entire process of realizing what was happening, getting out of the relationship, and was it's not easy. I don't know if you all are, are well, before I say that, this has been a heavy hour, and I want to yeah. say, I'm like, me and Azalea, thank like you so... the heaviest episode. Yeah, but, yeah. On, you know, in the same breath, like, so important to talk about. I want to thank you guys so, so, so much for sharing those stories. I think that it's important that we talk about yeah. it and... My and chest is so heavy. It, like <laughs> being open about it, because I think I have problems dating. I'm like, that guy was an asshole. And then when I hear all this, I'm like, oh my god, I wasn't loved. I wasn't loved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, damn, I've, I've, you know, had some bad relationships. And then I hear this, and I'm like, oh my god. And I could see, like, if you're in something like this, and you're like, I'm a smart person. Like, how did I get in there? You know. Like, yeah. how, and that's the embarrassing part. So when I hear you talk about that, you're like, well, you don't want to tell other people that because you're like a strong individual. And all the time we're talking and I'm hearing you both, I'm thinking, what is that person's end goal? They want to break you down. You're probably somebody who was yeah. confident in the beginning, right? And they could see that and they right. want to suck that from you. And I think that's their end goal, right? Like they just want to bring you down with them. It's so, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, yeah, it was like, I've had some bad assholes. And then I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say that now I definitely listen to my gut. Like, I know, I don't know how you're doing Mar with it, Mario, but like, I definitely listen to my instincts. So when something feels mm -hmm. slightly off or I'm going to be honest, anybody starts with a like you know morning tech like hello sunshine or via text message or anything like that like i it's a hard eye roll and just like Block. no thank you Block. <laughs> it's just like no thank you i'm just gonna put a stop to it right now nip that in the bush <laughs> i was like wait a minute that's how the last one got me excuse you <laughs> no yeah. i think you know it's it's really challenging and yeah. um I, I was in individual therapy for like the first eight months or so. And um, right after I threw my husband out of the house with the LA Sheriff, LA County Sheriff self. And, um, and then I'm now in group therapy. And I think it's really, I think it's really, it's like we talk a lot about like needing to establish boundaries and that healthy relationships have boundaries and so on and so forth. And so I think for me, that is, very much a barometer whenever I'm dealing with people. And I find that, you know, now that I've sort of started treading back into the dating, dating world a little bit, is that a lot of men are very, I don't know about you, Adriana, but like, there's a lot of people who like, without even meeting you are like, you're amazing, I love you. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> you're just like, and so I'm very good about saying like, you do not know me. So don't yeah. be so presumptuous. And you seem nice, but um, like you don't know me at all, so you cannot love me. 
And so mm -hmm. like, slow down, like put the brakes on now, please. And so like, I won't completely shut them down, but I will be like, you need to put the brakes on this. And You're if like, they it. fade away, if they fade away, they fade away, right? Like I'm very good about, I think it before I'd be very like insecure and be like um, trying to get people to like me, right? And now I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, you don't want to talk to me anymore? Fine. <laughs> like, you know, bye-bye. There is someone else who will like me. That's, <laughs> That's not a true. problem. But I think also I have to say, I don't know how long it's been for you, Adriana. For, I, maybe you mentioned that. But for me, it's been a year and a half, right? It's been about 18 months. And the whole experience was very traumatizing. You know, the police was involved. The LA County was involved. There was a restraining order. Um, and there is PTSD. Like, you know, yeah. for a long time, there were a lot of triggers. Sure. There are still triggers. Um, I'm very wary of becoming involved in anyone, mm. um, for now at least. And I still have a lot of things to work through, to be honest, you know. And for me, it's just healthier to be on my own for now, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll date a little bit for sure, you know. I'm not adverse to a little nookie. But <laughs> like le letting someone to my life side that closely, piece, like I'm you like, said earlier, more side pieces. <laughs> I'm gonna get a T-shirt that says like "pro side piece." <laughs> pro side pieces. <laughs> more side pieces in the world. Um, you know, we all need a little side piece. Um, but you know, I I am I'm very wary of yeah. letting down my guard too much, right? Um, and I think that's going to be a while before I allow someone into my life like that. And people in my group, some people in my group are already married or dating other people. You know, it's not that it's not possible. Right. But I think for me, it's still very fresh. And my ex actually has tried to reach out to me twice now in the last year. Um, and I have blocked him every single time, <laughs> you know, so it's not like I'm rid of him. Do you all like share this with incoming, like people that you want to date or do you say nothing about I this? Don't. Like, you're... no, yeah. I don't. I mean, full disclosure, I've been completely single for five years, a little bit over five years going on six. Um, mm -hmm. My ex reached out as, or as late, I guess, as 2020 still. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I did not respond. <laughs> I did not engage, but um, so I think for me that was still, I, I was still, have been working through a lot of it. I did, yeah. I, I used to have a lot of what you call meet and greets, you know, I was on Bumble and Tinder and whatever, and I had a lot of just, you know, coffee dates and whatever, and um, I have some good stories about that too, but uh, <laughs> nothing, <That's good. laughs> you know, nothing, I mean, they were funny. Some guy thought I was a dominatrix, so that was interesting. Um, what? Uh, yeah, I swear. That's another episode. <laughs> That's another episode. We'll have you back next time. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> The title of that episode, my date thought I was a dominatrix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, mm. so, um, but I, I stopped dating because I was so weary I was just cutting people off like at the first sign of anything so I spent some time with myself um I want to get back out there and try again uh but I'm also just kind of really happy right now so 
I get asked sometimes, like, when men want to, like, date, right? And it's not just like a hookup. You know, when men want to date and occasionally they'll ask and, you know, like for me, it's like the sort of thing that's not easy to contextualize in a text. So like they'll ask and I'm like, do you really want to know? And I'll be like, it was a toxic relationship and I'll leave it at that, right? Some people like I was talking, really knows I was talking to this guy from Texas a lot for a while and he and I had really a lot of conversations, right, during COVID and up until recently. And I always felt like, you know, you feel when someone's more open to having that discussion and he like wanted to you know some detail, but not really, right? Like he wanted to keep it light. Recently, I started talking to someone and he wanted to know. And so I was like, because he was asking me because he you know, I broke up with people around the same time. And I was like, look, you know, it's it was a very complicated situation. I, if you want to know about this, I'm, I'm more than happy to tell you about it, um, but it not over text. <laughs> I was like, I can't. Yeah, that's There's so no weird. Content. I, I can't tell you, like, I was in an abusive marriage and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he and I spoke about it and, you know, like, it was. They're like, and you're like, Mario, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was fine. Like, you know, the vibe I got from him was like empathetic. And I was like, okay, like maybe you and I can go a little bit further <laughs> because like you actually like, like he understood, like, and then he was like very patient and he was listening. So I was like, all right, well, let's keep talking. <laughs> but it's Have like, you found you know, that people that you've uh, kind of disclosed it to have, have accepted it well? Um. I think people just don't know what to do with that information. Oh. Um, I think, you know, like we were saying earlier, because like you don't hear about it. Right. And so what do people do with like, oh, I was in an abusive marriage. Now, first, first of all, I was married is like a big thing. It's like, what the fuck? And then on top of it, it's like, oh, it was abusive in these ways. Right. Psychologically, financially. And I don't know if people know how to compute that because, you know, it's like when I first started talking to Azalea about love bombing, love, you know, she was like, oh, what's that? And I was just telling someone else, like, I was like, oh, I'm doing this podcast with some friends some colleagues and it's about love bombing. And they're like, what's that? And I was just like, you know, a lot of people don't know about it and don't know about these kinds of narcissistic abuse and um, and I don't think, I don't know if I knew about it until I actually got into it. I mean, I mean, I saw it in my childhood, but it wasn't like I could call it that, you know, like now in retrospect, I'm like, my dad's a narcissist and he's an abusive narcissist, you know, like, but before I didn't have a language for that and didn't know about it. And so it wasn't until I went through it where I'm like, oh, so I don't blame people for not knowing very much about it or not knowing what to do with the information or finding it very heavy, right? It is very heavy, um, but that's why I'm very select about the men I talk to who like who are interested in me because it comes with baggage, right? We all come with baggage, but like this is a very particular, particularly dire and trying situation, and you cannot come out unscathed. Like you can survive it. 
you can go beyond it. You could perhaps have healthy relationships if you get the right tools and you're in therapy and you're learning about boundaries and you know where to recognize the signs. And like Adriana was saying, like you stop it before it starts happening, but you will always have it with you, right? Mm -hmm. You will always carry it with you. And that's tough because what if there's somebody who's really interested in you and then you might be like, oh, they're like love, you know, put them, you might be weary of when they're just trying to really kind of be giving you love, you know, and getting to know you, you know, so, yeah. I was going to say, I have to say, I'm very weary of um, these big displays of love. Like I just found, like, it's just like, they're scary. And I think for Mm -hmm. me, I hesitate to engage in like deep relationships because I also don't know. I think it's a little bit scary for me to think that I may not know how to appropriately engage in a new relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because I'm still working on getting the tools I need to navigate a healthy relationship. Like, it's great to go out on a date and, you know, whatever. Like, that's all wonderful and sure. shits and giggles and yay. But um, but anything deeper, I think I always kind of hesitate because I wonder if I'm going to be any good in the relationship, not necessarily the other person. Wow. For those same Absolutely. reasons. So it sounds like for both of you, it's really, I mean, obviously penetrated your kind of psyche and your feeling of, self-worth and self-acceptance and you've really had to kind of try to come back from it absolutely and like Adriana was saying like you just profoundly don't trust yourself to make the right decision about someone right because you made such a bad decision before like despite the crap and the bad signs and the red flags like recently this person I was talking to who I told about this relationship like you know there were some like very romantic overtures and immediately I was just like suspect. I was just like, yeah. what the fuck is this? And so I was just like, you need to slow it down. <laughs> I was just like, and this, yeah. and this is why, and this is why, you know? And so but, but that's and sad I, that... I was sort of gauging. Yeah. I mean, I was sort of gauging how it would react Yeah. because I, I needed to see if he would respect your boundaries. breaking, like putting the brakes on and he did. And I was like, okay, we can that's continue. Good talking because he's a very sweet person at least seemingly and so i'm just like okay you're respecting my boundaries good okay Mm -hmm. and but that's the good thing is that like you know yourself a little bit better so now i have no qualms about putting out my boundaries and if that person can't accept them fuck you bye (laughs) like it's like but then then that's it move on to someone else but to some extent like they've ruined like romance for you like maybe you know what i mean they've ruined like somebody trying to really do something nice for you like adriana you said you like are weary about big gestures like there's some people who like doing that and they mean it you know so so it kind of ruined that aspect for you and But I guess that the main thing is, Mario, that you said you're you're at least begin to know who you are and you're setting boundaries. And if the person understands that, then that is a sign that that person is like at least a decent person. Right. That you you said we can continue the conversation because he needs to respect that I've had like, you know, I have some things that I need to go through in order to kind of assess this what's happening and where I feel comfortable with exactly Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh so uh, the 
it's not the right person. Because I'm like, the right person will know. Like in Cinderella. No, I'm just kidding. No, no it's more about like a decent, I know. It's more about like the de- a, de- a nice, a decent person or a healthy person that carries on with relationships will know that, okay, I need to like stop. But I still want to talk to like Mario. We'll respect your boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the main I, thing, right? I, I think for me, it really comes down to being able to establish like a solid friendship with somebody a real one because romantic relationships are so complicated right there's so many aspects to them and I think that if you establish a solid friendship regardless of everything else that happens in your love relationship you can take a step back and be like it's my friend if this is my friend my friend is asking me for something Mm -hmm. that I can give or not give and I think Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it gives you the time when you establish a friendship to figure out those little things that where you can give or you can take or you can figure like have that conversation about that toxic marriage that you had or that mm-hmm. toxic relationship that you have and kind of explore your triggers. Everybody's going to come to a relationship with triggers, right? And both of you should be able to express those things. And kind of take your time with it. But having a friendship builds that stronger foundation. Right. But that's really difficult to create in this whole Mm -hmm. dating scene with the apps and like, you don't like me, fuck you. And like to create like something really Mm -hmm. stable. Something deep and yeah. At least kind of even a friendship. People want to have an instant whatever. And if it's not that, move on. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah. think that's that's the other thing, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like so many movies or stories or whatever have that, like, oh, if it's not an instant connection, then it's not worth Not the right doing. person. Yeah. Right. right. It's right, not right. the right. If you don't know the minute your eyes cross, you know, meet across the room, then... Then it's, sure, if you don't hear that you, song, but... if the moon hits your eye like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know the song. <laughs> That's amore. That's amore. <laughs> now I want Italian food. <laughs> right. I did too. I did too. <laughs> um. No, Sorry. but I just no. Oh my God, we needed that last. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Like I'm so glad to to hear that, Mari. You're exploring your options, you know, and like where you go from here. Well, I think the pandemic really helped, right? Because right. it was I started sort of creeping back into the world last fall, and it was great because it was like very conversation based and. Because you're aware and actually meeting up with people, at least I wasn't. And so it gave me time to develop conversations and relationships with people. Like, and that's why, like, you know, this conversation with this guy in Texas went on for so long. Because, like, out of all the people that I started talking with, he was, like, the one that, like, had, like, good solid boundaries, was a nice person, like, good conversations, was really funny, like, made me laugh, like, all these sorts of things, right? So we could continue chatting you know, and it was worthwhile. And it wasn't like he was looking for a quick fix, right? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, 
But the thing is, like, the quick fix has its place, right? Again, the right. side piece. You know what I mean? And so, like, I think, you know, I'm very sex positive, And I think it's, like, if you want to just, like, you know, have a nookie, have a nookie. You know, and, like, you should feel free to have a nookie. It's out there for you. We all deserve a nookie. We all, like, attract yeah. different kinds of nookies. And that's great. You know, I think. Um, but I think for me, like. You were like you were saying, Adriana, earlier. Like I'm very reluctant to go further with anything solid because I think I really, and this is even pre my my marriage. Like I really treasure my freedom, and I know that there are potentially consequences for that. My mother would just be like, "Mijo, who's going to take care of you when you're old?" And like, "I'm mommy," and um, <laughs> you know, the state, because mom, I, the state. <laughs> because I was like, I was like the the happy go lucky gay home mom. Um, but, um, in New York, um, and so, um, but I really like being able to make my own schedule. I like, I like being able to travel when I want. I love just like making pancakes on Sunday mornings and like watch binge watching movies. Like, you know, I really like that independence that no one, no one is telling me what to do on my weekends mm-hmm. or at night, you know, during the day, yeah, but- I'm you know. A relation, a guy, a, somebody you're in a relationship shouldn't like take that away from you, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, shouldn't. 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 <laughs> but oftentimes does. <laughs> I have that problem too. Yeah, I liked my independence. So. Yeah. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you know, there are different kinds of people in the world, right? And some yeah. people are wonderful in relationships, and they're meant for it. And some people gravitate towards serial monogamy. Others do not. And that's okay, right? Like you can be on your own and it's okay, right? And it should be acceptable for anyone who wants to do that, right? It's unfortunately not, but um, you don't have to have some deep, profound relationship with another person that is not your family or your best friends or whatever, right? Um, To define who you are. I definitely feel like for, yeah, I think it, yeah, that for me, that was the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways was that I don't need to be with anyone to have a completely full life. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. if you want to get some nookie, you can do that. If you don't, you can do that. And, you know, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to have a baby, you can do that. Like you, <laughs> you <laughs> um, even that isn't something that is strictly for couples anymore like you can be a single parent yeah. is being a parent is what you want to yeah. do and stuff so hey ricky martin did it that's right <laughs> that means so I can. Andy- he's in a re- he's in a relation he also has money so i guess yeah he had his twins as, as a single dad i was gonna say hey he's with somebody yeah he is oh he is but he had his yeah. twins as a single dad as a single dad yeah <laughs> he did you are so right thank yeah. you i watched TMC. behind the music yeah you're yeah. welcome tmc <laughs> behind the music i watched behind, behind the, the music. music it's a new season on paramount plus you guys <laughs> on, your, on, your, on your vhs or dvds <laughs> it's a new season <laughs> Hater, it's a new season. <laughs> wait, wait. Are you training have... to be a VH1 DJ? Uh-huh. Yeah. A wait, BJ. Wait. Does he 
you talk about his time in Menudo? I, I may have to yeah it. it's really cute it's a good episode <laughs> they like take the old ones I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about this for five seconds they take the old ones and he like talks about the old episodes of behind the music and like gives you updates on stuff it's very interesting oh, cool he talks <laughs> about himself being a menudo yeah, yeah. he's like I grew up with that. I grew up with that. (laughs) 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 Biggest boy band ever. What? (laughs) So there's some, I feel like we've, we've had so many good conversations and so many good things we're talking about, but I do want to wrap it with like something professional and like neither of us again are professionals. And I want to make sure that we say this piece at the end of the article, because I know if I'm like, you know, if we're like, okay, it's based on an article. It's the link is in the description. Like no fucking buddy is going to read it. And I want to make sure that we outline what to do. If you find yourself that you're being love bomb, if you've listened to this episode and you feel like, you know, maybe I am being love bomb. Maybe this is not, he's being sweet or he's being attentive. You know, it's something else. It's something more. I wanted to just kind of quickly, quickly skim through the end of this article that talks about what you can do. And, Mario brought up domestic uh, violence hotline, national domestic violence hotline, which is so, so important. And so we'll also share that information right now as well. But if you realize the person that you're with is love bombing, love bombing you uh, or doing any kind of manipulative behavior, do what you can to safely remove yourself from the situation and seek support systems outside of the relationship. If it's still early and you think it could just become some kind of like hardcore crushing or just an over attention uh, that you're not super comfortable with, setting up boundaries and I know that Mario talked a little bit about this earlier is really really important something as simple as like hey this seems to be moving pretty fast and I need some boundaries is a good place to start Um, it's in your best interest to try and safely stop communicating with someone who you realize is acting to control or manipulate you or others in your life it's almost certainly not within your capability to change the person's behavior and it isn't your job to do so anyway the course of action for this is really simple dump them unfollow them and find the support you need to back you up super super simple Find someone outside of the relationship to fully acknowledge the fact that you're dealing with not only a manipulative person, but also a mentally ill person. This person most likely has some sort of narcissistic personality disorder, some signs of narcissism, and nobody here and very few people are actually like licensed professionals that can deal with folks like this. So don't be this person's therapist. Don't be this person's lifeline. That's not your job. And anybody who tries to make you feel like that you should be that is manipulating you and is not someone that is respecting your boundaries or you as an independent human being person. <laughs> um, and finally, you know, seek out a close friend or family member who can keep your confidence. Search for a therapist or support group. There's a lot that actually specify or deal with specifically narcissism. Is something like that, you guys tell me that have been through this, do you feel like those are some pretty good kind of things you can do if you find yourself in that relationship? Is there anything that you want to add or, or comment on about that stuff that the article suggests? Um, I would just add that if you're in LA and you're part of the LGBTQIA plus community, um, definitely reach out to the people at the center here. Um, they're the ones that helped me out and proved invaluable in helping me safety plan getting a lawyer, knowing what to do, what steps to take. Um, They are actually 
national specialists on um, domestic abuse, interpartner um, interpartner abuse um, in the queer community. Um, They are publishing an article about it soon or report about it soon. So they're an invaluable resource. They're extraordinarily knowledgeable about the subject and will certainly provide, um, help you out and help um, you eventually get out of your relationship. Um, They're an incredible resource here in LA. Yeah, but you can give them a call. They have, you know, online services and phone services. They'll help you out for sure. They'll hook you up, you know, with social workers and lawyers and all sorts of things. So they're, they're from like, you know, beginning to end service. <laughs> like they provided, you know, my lawyer, the lawyer that they assigned me just helped me get a divorce pro bono. So um, they're Wow. Great. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. I would not be here without them. Definitely setting boundaries. I think that that is probably, if you're unsure of a situation, if you're uncertain, if you are being left bombed, I think removing yourself or setting boundaries is from the situation is the single best thing you can do um, before it escalates. We want to thank our guests for joining us today and talking about their past experiences of love bombing and the serious effects it has had on their lives. If you or someone you know has experienced domestic violence and needs to seek help or would like more information, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. You can also visit their website at thehotline.org.